it's good to hear the story of the cross often. And I, thank you, Janice, for that song, The Old Rugged Cross, that fits in with much. There's two words that I'd like you to remember. Two things that God forsaken. Have you ever thought about what that may mean? Previous weeks, Graham looked at Psalm 23 and Luke looked at Psalm 1 and today we'll do Psalm 22 and God willing, we'll look at Psalm 73 uh, next week and Andrew will return. Father, thank you for your word. It's a living word. It tells us the truth about who you are, about the sinful condition of our own hearts and our separation from you and of the amazing salvation that is offered to everyone in the world who would believe through the death of Christ on Calvary in our place that we can be forgiven, we can be reconciled to you and with the help of the Holy Spirit we can learn to walk with you as you created us to live. Father, ask the help of the Spirit of God to speak to hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> oh, are you able to go back a bit, Graham? No, it's not the first one, no. Okay, well, many unfair and unjust actions occur daily on our troubled planet Earth, don't they? People are frequently mistreated or falsely accused. We hear it on the news all the time. Each one of us present this morning would be able to share many a story of being unfairly mistreated. Life isn't fair, is it? It's a very common comment you hear today. The forsaken cry of an innocent victim. The Christian organisation... Right. Technical problems. Am I on or off? I'm off. Not, not progressing, Graham. The Christian organisation Open Doors. Anyone? Yeah, yeah. Terrific. Reports all over the world persecution against Christians is rising, both in frequency and intensity. Someone tells me 360 million Christians and they tell you some really important stuff that we need to be aware of. Though it differs in nature based on location, age, gender, ethnicity, culture, family and many more factors, the common thread is that persecution exists where the gospel is being shared. And you and I are aware if you truly want to follow the Lord, 
not only do you have the blessings of God, you have persecution. That's how he lived and that's how he walked on this earth. Don't be surprised when it does happen from time to time. In today's message, we are to witness the cruel and unfair treatment of Christ himself as he suffered on the cross. The great humiliation he suffered was not the physical pain or even rejection, as cruel as they were, but God-forsakenness. Have you ever thought about this? As our sin was laid on Christ, his closest friend, God the Father, had to lovingly forsake him. How devastating this separation from his father whom he loved would have been. I want to focus our attention on a feeling which Christ experienced that I hope you and I will never know but which you may encounter at some point in life. I have in mind the experience of feeling abandoned and forsaken by God. Anyone ever felt that? Abandoned and forsaken by God. Perhaps no feeling is as intolerable and disabling as that of feeling deserted by God. Even God has deserted me. I've heard that commonly said to me. But even this darkest of dark hours our Lord has experienced. He knows. Yes, he understands as he went through it for you and I. This morning we're going to break this psalm up into three parts. Scorned by mankind and despised by people. They have pierced my hands and my feet. God heard when he cried to him. So I just, with God's help, I try to break the word of God up into <coughs> parts and with the help of the Spirit of God, look at each of the spiritual truths in those parts and apply them to our own lives. Let's walk into the first part. Scorned by mankind, he was, and despised by people. So don't be over-concerned if that happens in our lives. It will. It's happening throughout the world, as reported by Open Doors. Open your Bibles to Psalm 22, verse 1, if you've got your Bible there. The words in this psalm describe the suffering and persecution of an innocent victim. He was innocent. Yet no one can read this psalm without applying it to the sufferings of Christ on the cross and of his subsequent glory. Let's go to Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. We hear words of anguish being cried out, My God, my God! 
Why have you forsaken me? Quoted in Psalm 22. Not in Matthew. In Psalm 22. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry day by day. But you do not answer. God is not seemingly answering. And by night, but I find no rest. The anguish of this person. The greatest suffering expressed here is neither the cruel physical pain being endured nor the verbal mockery of being despised by people. Wouldn't you and I bend under that pressure? (laughs) But the greatest pain being expressed here is the suffering of God-forsakenness. The sufferer's questions are asked in perplexity. He was perplexed. Not in despair or bitterness. But God did not answer Christ's cries of desperation. At what time in history were these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me spoken? Where were they spoken? Here on the cross, weren't they? Yes, they were spoken by Christ himself as he was dying, as he was being cruelly crucified on a cross. Just imagine it. Our Lord, who had been forsaken by men, was now being forsaken by God. As he began to experience in his soul the suffering of sin, not his own sin, but ours, yours and mine, and proceeded through his sufferings to pay the terrifying debt that sin had built up in the universe. Not only affects you and I, it affects creation in so many ways. God, who could have nothing to do with sin, had to turn his back on him. So as the sin was laid on Christ in our place, his own intimate father had to turn away. Had to turn away. He could not be part of that sin being laid on his own son. He would have experienced unimaginable loneliness being separated from his father. For the very first time, he too was an innocent victim. Amazing, his death was fulfilling the will of God. These events that occurred, as horrible as they are, was fulfilling the will of God. Be encouraged when you go through hard times. These events could be fulfilling the will of God in our lives. 
And as you and I know, he did this for us. To die in this way must have been one of the cruelest methods ever devised by mankind to kill a person. The words of Christ's crucifixion are recorded in Matthew 27, which Mark read out, 46 and Mark 15, 34. Let's just read again from Matthew 27, 45, 46. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. In our terms, that is midday, to 3 p.m., three hours. He was on that cross for those three hours. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathai. Sorry, I'm not good at words. (laughs) That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus was dying in agony... He quoted from this psalm. He knew it. He knew Psalm 22. Jesus was so saturated in the word of God that he spontaneously, it spontaneously came to his mind, enabling him to interpret and face every challenge. Aren't they amazing events? The words in this psalm are also referring to the suffering being experienced by King David himself. The author of the psalm was King David. King David must have been going through a terrible, painful test of his faith. Amazingly, the words recorded here give us insights into the sufferings of Jesus Christ, written way back then, the promised Messiah who was to come. As we shall see, David prophesied the sufferings of Jesus in astonishing detail. How did Jesus know he was to be crucified? As a young boy, I humbly believe, he began to read the scriptures. The scrolls that they had, he would have read them over and over and over. That's about me. That's about me. And often when he spoke, he quoted from the Old Testament. This is to fulfill such and such. Remember that? He knew, and on the cross, he knew that particular verse. By the way, it wasn't Psalm 22, verse 1 back in his day. Only a single scroll. (laughs) Let's now examine King David's words recorded in Psalm 22, verses 6 and 8 how accurately they reflect the rejection and mocking of the coming Messiah. Written six or seven hundred years, thousands years before the event occurred. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. How they... All who see me mock me. Aren't they accurate? 
They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. Written way back in Psalm 22 by David. Obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Whilst Jesus was on earth, he was scorned and despised by mankind. He was mocked and laughed at. How would you and I handle that? I don't think I'd handle it real well. He was even told to call out to God, call out to God, to set himself free from the cross. Only then would people believe in him as the promised Messiah. Would they? Psalm 22, turn to verse 12. They have pierced my hands and my feet. In this section of Psalm 22, we again find astonishing and accurate detail of events which occurred to Jesus as he died on the cross over 1,000 years ago. 1,000 years later. Let's go to Psalm 22, verses 15 to 18. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22. It's not Matthew, Mark, John. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Are we reading Matthew or are we reading Psalm 22? These verses clearly speak of Christ's death. His expression of fatal dehydration. Verse 15. Of the piercing of his hands and his feet. Verse 16. And his bony frame being exposed. Verse 17. And the dividing up of his garments by the soldiers. Verse 18. Each of these events were fulfilled fully as listed in these verses. A remarkable description of the horrors of crucifixion. Yet that wasn't even invented when this psalm was written. Jesus understood this psalm to be about his death. He knew. He knew he was to die. There was no other way. We know that. To give salvation for all of us. He realised that he had to submit to this punishment. Though it was not deserved. 
In the Gospel of John, we read about the fulfilment of these events. Let's turn to John 19, verses 23-24. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And they were fulfilling scripture in doing that exact thing. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Got any doubts about why Jesus did all this? What was happening? And again, in John 19.31, we read, Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Remember that event? So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first two and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs and some of you probably know very well back in Exodus when the lamb was given at the Passover you were not to break this was again was fulfilling scripture right through the Old Testament is being fulfilled but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water they knew he was dead he who saw it has borne witness his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken I'm amazed at the detail and the accuracy that God has given and the truth Believe him. Believe God's word. Believe what he is doing. He will do it. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pursed. Isn't it amazing that events foretold in Psalm 22 were being fulfilled over 1,000 years later to minute detail? It wasn't just a chance that this happened or that happened. It was totally fulfilling scripture. This occurs over and over again in scripture. You aware of that? Have you realised the Bible is truly God's word? Are you convinced? And it is inspired. How can truths be foretold thousands of years before the events that a Messiah would come through the line of David and would be born in Bethlehem. 
he would die on a cross as a sacrifice in our place for you and I. God has done it all. What is our response to those things? Someone has profoundly described the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, as basic instruction before leaving earth. You ever heard that? (laughs) I think it's rather clever. The devotional, Every Day with Jesus, which I read most days, refers to the Bible as God's one and only published work. (laughs) Uh, Do you realise that the Bible reveals the truth about God? You really want to know what life's about. You really want to know what, is there a God? You really want to know about yourself? I humbly challenge you to read the Word of God. It tells you the truth. You won't like it, but it's true. Do you realise the Bible's the truth about God? Do you realise the Bible reveals the truth about sin and, <coughs> and how it so deeply affects you and I? Sure does. Do you realise that the Bible reveals the truth about the coming, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Christ and why he truly came? Knowing these truths is life-changing. What is happening to King David at this time? He is evidently very sick, indeed dying. But his physical pains are made worse by the hands of evil dogs who surround him and who are wanting to tear him limb for limb. These evil men were even wanting to strip him of his clothes and to share them out in anticipation of his death. Again, David appeals to God to draw near to him in his need and to deliver him. Let's just go to our final little section. God heard when he cried to him. Turn your Bibles to verse Psalm 22, verse 22. Suddenly and dramatically, the scene of the psalm changes from prayer to praise. From suffering to triumph. Can God can take tragedy? Those words on the screen there, if you can read them. God can take tragedy and turn it into triumph. Be very encouraged. He routinely does this for those who love him. Our life as a Christian is not cushy. If you are truly walking with the Lord, and that is my love and my delight to try to do so, life is full of perplexities and problems. That's how we grow. God knows we desperately need to grow. <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 22, verses 24-26. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. I guarantee it. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever.
we are told in the end that God had not despised his afflicted servant as men had despised him. But instead, God had heard his cry when he called to him. And so too for you and I. I know some of you are really struggling in your lives and in your walk with God. God hears. You are his child. I am his child through faith in Christ. I can come to him any time, any place, and share the anguish of my heart with him and call out to him. The suffering is so delighted that he wants everyone to praise God with him. David also assured us that the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Very encouraging words. May I speak from the heart and encourage you. If you are experiencing unbearable suffering at the present time, it shall not always be so. David was experiencing the worst form of suffering, a God-forsaken suffering. God will never forsake you. He never will if you are his child through faith in Christ. Yet he was rescued by the Lord. David was now triumphant and he was praising the Lord. Let us always remember that God himself also heard the cries of his own son whilst he was being cruelly crucified on the cross. Remember those words? It is finished. I've done it. It has been done totally. Then he died. Yet wasn't God's will being wonderfully fulfilled? Isn't that amazing? During this time of great sorrow, God had accepted Jesus' sacrifice. It's guaranteed we can be saved. Indeed, all that Christ had accomplished pleased and glorified God the Father. I am certain too that there would have been great rejoicing and praise in heaven at the time of Jesus' death. Ever thought about that? At a later time, we read in Revelation chapter 5, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And they'll all be there, all different countries, Finally, this suffering resulted in witnessing to others of Christ. In verse 31, we are reminded <laughs> they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. We are rescued by God that we may be a blessing to others. Our mission to the world, to folk in Wingham here, to folk at Oxley Island, our mission to the world is to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. They desperately need to know. They are headed for eternal separation from God. Please, 
lovingly get to know them and share the gospel. Just some concluding comments. Oops, it's back again. We have been reminded of the God-forsaken suffering and pain of an innocent man. King David faced this form of suffering as he walked with God. Jesus Christ himself willingly suffered in this way for you and I by dying on the cross in our place. This psalm also expresses the pain of believing people in every generation who suffer without cause. It's very common today. Be encouraged. As God's people in many parts of the world today, we will face unexpected and unreasonable persecution and even death. This is not the exception, but the norm for the disciple of Christ. I'd just like to leave a challenge with you. This is the final point. Thank you for your patience. Whoops, go back. It is doubtful. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man or woman greatly until he has hurt him deeply. That might not sound Sunday morning preaching. Yes, I can recall a few times when this has been true in my own life. And I won't share this morning because I've taken up a lot of your time now. These events occurred when I was a Christian. Yes, God used these times to truly grow me. I just say God lovingly wants us to grow. And at times, it will mean that he newly needs to deeply hurt us. You might not like that theology, (laughs) but in his love, if you are really wanting to grow in Christ and be used by him to grow you, we need to go that path. If this may be true of your life at the present time, may I encourage you to trust God. He is wanting to work deeply in our lives. God always works his ways with love. Yes, just consider Calvary. We too may ask why? Let this psalm drive us to Christ who suffered and died for us. Thank you for your patience this morning. Lord, thank you that your own son had to face complete separation from his father because on him was laid our sin. Thank you. Thank you that all of what you have foretold has been and is being fulfilled. Lord, let us be more open to your work, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much.